You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Recently, um, you, you ever get a song that gets stuck in your head, maybe from years ago? You haven't heard it in years. And that happened to me recently. I got this song in my head that I used to listen to by a band I used to listen to back in the 90s. I didn't have Christian music at that time. So I looked this song up, and I listened to it, you know. like, uh, You know, th- there's one thing to, to have a song in your head, and then it's another thing to actually hear it because especially if it's a song you haven't heard in a long time and it goes back way you know many years some of you young people may not know what I'm talking about but it goes back many years and all of a sudden you can be transported back to that time emotionally just all these feelings I know where I was I know who I was with Um, I know how I felt at that time well that happened to me so I, I go, I look this song up and I listen to it and I'm like, wow, that's depressing. <laughs> these, these words are depressing and I'm reminded of the feelings that I had at that time. I wasn't, you know, getting soaked up in it, but it's like, yeah, I remember that. Wow, that, um, that hurt. <laughs> so... Like I said, in the 90s, it's like I never thought that, you know, my troubles didn't begin until like about 2000 or so. That's when my, my marriage fell apart and, you know, went through a divorce. This is all way before meeting Aureli, thank God. Um, but um, I didn't realize that it extended back to the mid-90s, you know. I just I had never really thought about that. I was a very unhappy person in those times. I didn't have words like what we sang today um, where it said, the rains came, the winds blew, you know, and, and in the midst of all those rains came, winds blew, but my house was built on you. I'm safe with you. This is where you come through. You know, the stuff that I used to listen to years ago would say, rains came, winds blew, and it was bad, and it was horrible. My life fell apart, and there's no hope, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was built on, yeah, quicksand. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, my belief system at that time, had, it didn't have any room for healing. I believed in God, but my belief structure didn't have any room for healing, redemption, forgiveness, all the things that are so desperately needed today. So, in the midst of all that pain, I just wanted it to go away. I want this to be over. I just want it to go away. I began drinking, viewing pornography, anything to escape what I was dealing with today. You know, um, all of us have suffered 
some type of traumatic experience. If, if you've made it to this far, you've experienced something. And all of us have experienced the pain that results from those um, events that happen. But whether it's a physical pain or an emotional pain, any kind of suffering, we all just want one thing from it, relief. <laughs> I want this to be over. <clears throat> so today we're going to consider suffering and how we can experience joy in the middle of it. Also how, um, at that same time, we can encourage other people that are going through difficult times. Because we all probably right now know someone that's going through a difficult situation in their life. When we face, especially a tragedy, you know, um, there's, and, and I realize, here's my disclaimer, that there's several different levels of suffering, you know. Um, somebody burned your meal, you know. <laughs> but you felt compelled to eat it. <laughs> you know, from there to losing a loved one, to losing several loved ones. You know, it's that, I know that there's different levels of tragedy, different levels of trauma that we can experience. But you know, God tells us that we can experience joy even in those times. It can help us when we're going through something like that to know that somebody understands how we feel. Somebody gets it. Somebody, even if I'm being ugly in this moment, somebody understands me and is not judging me or correcting me. You know, it, it brings us a lot of comfort to know that God, he suffers with us. He's there with us in these, in these trials. Yes, he is the God of joy, but did you know that God suffers even now? When we pray to him, if we're, there's something really heavy upon us, Romans 8, 22 through 27. Yes, God knows all things. He knows all things. He knows how this is going to work out. But you know what? In the midst of all this, even though he knows it's going to be fine, he chooses to sit with us in our suffering. Romans 8, 22 through 27. Oh, there we go. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. There's a word that we want to focus on because we're going to hear it several times in this, this, uh, these passages. Groaning, groans. And labors with us, labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what you see? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
Now he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now in, in verse 26, it talks about how the Spirit groans within us. Um, oftentimes we think of that as you know, a praying in the Spirit, but that word groaning, it means groaning, which is a sound that we make when we are in pain. We're going through some kind of suffering. The Spirit of God that is alive in us groans with us. You ever been in a situation, I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know how, how this is going to end up. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. And he's not just praying for you. It's like he's feeling with you. He's feeling what you're going through. He's relating because he knows. The creator of all things chooses to sit with us in the middle of our greatest brokenness, and he remains. He remains. He doesn't leave. He doesn't pull out and, <laughs> I've had too much of this. You're on your own. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He understands. He's been there. He has also experienced it himself. He knows what it feels like. He knows the despair. He knows the anguish. Isaiah 53, verse 3 says that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This gets better, by the way. <laughs> when we have lived through severe suffering, when we go through such suffering, you know, it, it marks you. It, um, it changes you. Even, even once, you know, time has passed, we've received healing and things are doing better. That suffering, that tragedy that you've been through, that trauma, it, it changes you. You are just a bit different. People with uh, um, spiritual insight and wisdom, if you tell them your past, they can tell you where you're going in your future. Simply because people with this spiritual insight and wisdom, they know generally the, the, the crap that you've been through um, is the opposite of where God's taking you. You suffer abandonment, an orphan, well, guess what you're going to be doing? You're probably going to be used as a father or a mother to someone else. If you have suffered from extreme insecurity, you're going to be able, when God's done, he's, you're going to be able to encourage, build up, and lift up others. And you're going to be very comfortable with who you are. So it changes us, but it changes us in a good way. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 9, shows how um, his experience on the earth changed Jesus. It did. It changed him. He was not the same afterwards. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. 
Though he was a son, notice this, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Also, having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus learned obedience because of what he suffered as a human. Also, notice it says that he was perfected, which means he was made complete. That blows me away. Living as one of us made God complete. He wasn't complete before. The creator of all things. Well, he was a perfect creator. He's a perfect God. Perfect for all that he was doing, but he still needed to be made perfect as our Savior. As one who understands, who gets it, what we go through. It was going through all of these things, and if you want to... Um, Later, look through Isaiah 53, where it, just, it outlines all the stuff that Jesus suffered for us. It changed him. It perfected him. It made him complete to be a God of understanding, a God of compassion, um, one who gets it. So that, um, well, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says that he was tempted in every way as we are, so that we could come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy. Boldly. We can approach boldly. And you know, it is of interest to note, I mean, these aren't just tragedies that happen. I'm not talking about just issues and suffering that happen to us, but even things that we bring on ourselves. You know, this is, you know, yeah, I did that. I did that. And it did not make things good. <laughs> but we can still boldly come to the throne of grace and mercy. So he's been perfected and completed for us. It's it just, like I said, it, it, it really just blows my mind that he did this for us and he learned something from it. That, that is amazing. So the spirit, when we're going through a difficult time, a tragedy, it says that the spirit groans within us. He's making intercession for us. He's praying to God. According to God's will, as it said there in verse seven, or 27, he's groaning within us and praying the will of God for us because he understands. He gets it. He's been there. So going back to Hebrews 4.15, it says that in all ways he was tempted as we are. I love that. What is a temptation? If somebody... If you went over to somebody's house for dinner and they brought you a plate of fresh slugs, would you be tempted to eat it? <laughs> Is that a temptation? Is that now the trial may be just having to sit there? <laughs> oh God! Anyway, just reminded me of something that I did. Woo! Okay. <laughs> went over to a family's house for dinner. And uh, um, this guy, is, is a, he's a chef. He's an excellent cook. He's a chef, you know. And um, I got octopus soup for the first time. The only time. <laughs> I suffered through it. It was a temptation not to um, let it come back up. But anyway, 
So Jesus was tempted by real temptations. He was tried. It was a trial for him to go through those things. It was difficult. Um, but yet he succeeded. He did it. He accomplished it. Um, so we can, we can feel that comfort that he gets it because he's been there. And it doesn't matter Well, you say, well, you know, they didn't have drugs back then. They didn't do, you know, people, well, yes, they did. <laughs> and, you know, what is, the, what, is the, what is the core or the root problem behind whatever we're suffering today? He gets that because he's been there. You know, let's, let's say it was rejection, abandonment that we felt, you know, we felt worthless in our life because of these things. Nobody cares about me. I'm not important. I'm not seen. I'm not heard. You read Isaiah 53, it tells you all those things. That's what he suffered. So he does. He does get it. So it can be comforting to know that we're understood even in our difficulties. But how can we find that joy in the middle of it? Isaiah 63, um, verses 1 through 3, but I'm going to focus specifically on verse 3. Isaiah 61, verse 3, sorry. I view these things that it mentions. I call this the divine exchange because that's what you're doing. You're exchanging your junk for what God has. Um, and it tells us, I view these things as literal because I believe that God actually does this stuff. Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says, The Spirit of the Lord... Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 1? Okay. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. Now let's, let's slow down a little bit. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. Here's the exchange the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, the oil of joy for mourning. Um, the word mourning that they use there is specific to death, mourning someone that has passed, someone that's died. Um, he gives us oil of joy when we're going through mourning. And I believe just as the mourning is literal, so this oil of joy is literal, that God has actually made an oil that can bring us joy, laughter, pleasure, even in the midst of going through a di very difficult time. Notice also it says in verse 3, that he gave them beauty for ashes. Oftentimes when we hear that word ashes, we're thinking of something that's been burned up, something that's been destroyed. But in the Eastern culture of that time, when this was written, ashes was something that a person used to express extreme 
tragedy, mourning, repentance. They would put on sackcloth and ashes. They wore sackcloth, which is like burlap, a very rough material. Um, and they would wear that, and they would either sit in the midst of ashes, or they would dump ashes all over their head. They'd scoop up ashes and just throw it up in the air. It was just an expression of extreme grief. But God, according to Isaiah 61, verse 3, he wants to exchange that extreme grief, that feeling of tragedy for beauty. He gets it. He gets it. I love the example of Job um, in that, you know, at the very beginning of Job, God's basically bragging on him, saying, have you seen anybody that is as, as good as he is, as righteous and outstanding, you know, a lover of me? And then, boom, everything just happens to him. All this, I mean, he loses everything. All his children died. Um, he lost all of his wealth. He lost his position in the community. Um, he was struck with boils. He sat in the midst of ashes and just took pot shards and just scraped to scratch these things off. And he's covered in ashes. Now, God didn't change this overnight for him because it talks about his three friends that heard about what had happened to him and came to him. They came from a long distance. Now, it's not like today where if I find out that a friend is in, in Louisville is having a hard time, that I can just get in my car and be there in the afternoon. Back then, it was quite different. I mean, we're talking about weeks, maybe months because they had, to, had a caravan, they had to supply all of their needs, food, they had servants. So we're talking about like a convoy headed over to Job's place, what was left of it. This took a long time. So Job is sitting in these ashes, scraping himself with these um, pot shards in physical pain, in emotional pain, and also in emotional turmoil, because why has God allowed this? I'm a good guy. I worship. I sacrifice. I do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. And then the guys, his friends show up, and they um, sit and watch him for seven days. Don't say anything. What if I just stood here for an hour and just stared at you and didn't say anything? <laughs> So, but then when they did speak, they start, they start telling him, oh, this is, this is your fault. You did something. Nobody that is righteous, nothing bad ever happens to them. So Job begins this long, long time of justifying himself. You know, I don't know why God's done this to me, but he brought this on me and I didn't deserve it. And then you get to the end of Job, and God talks to him in the whirlwind. Do you, have you noticed that in all the glorious things that God tells Job, he never once addresses his suffering? Why it happened? Why he's going through it? Nah. He never says anything about it. He talks to Job about his majesty, his greatness, his power, his wisdom. That's, that is the turning point. That's where the truth lies. 
it's not in so much in why something is happening, but focus on God. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He knows what we're going through. He knows what happened to us. I mean, we live in a world that is not perfect. Bad things happen to good people. It does. I, in, you know, you can try to look for all the reasons and you just chase your tail, you know? But focus, refocus on God, his greatness, his majesty, his love, his grace. Turn our attention to him. Focus on Jesus. Um, you ever get a prophetic word? Let's say, hang on, let's say. Um, you're dealing with something in your life, and uh, I'm not hearing God about this. I, I mean, that's, I'm going to be honest with you, that's the way I am. When I'm going through junk, I can't hardly hear God about me on that because I am so emotionally charged with this situation. So, hey, you got a word for me? <laughs> What's God telling you? And I don't like telling people, I just did it here this past week. Um, I don't like telling people what's going on. I just, I want to hear what God's saying to you. You ever have, you ever do that, and then the word that you get back has nothing to do with what you're struggling with. Nothing at all. You know, you could walk away scratching your head, but what I believe God is telling us is that he's realigning our focus. This is what's important. That's not. And it, it helps us to um, adjust our perceptions, what we perceive that's going on. It helps us to um, realign that he is good. All this is worship. It is worship. Um, so often I hear about, uh, you know, I hear you laughing back there. You're just laughing. They don't see me crying too. Because I'm laughing and I'm crying at the same time. I'm, you know, because it wouldn't be so great to, to experience his presence, his goodness, the joy, if, for me, I'm just saying for me, if I didn't also remember what he brought me out of. You know? And that's the crying, and that's also the laughing. <laughs> you are so good. You are so awesome. He has the means of lifting us out. Now, I understand, with, especially with mourning, um, it's a process. It is a process, but sometimes we just need a reprieve, you know? We, we get in our heads these thoughts, and again, I'm speaking about me. <laughs> you get, we get these thoughts in our head, and they just keep going around in circles, around in circles. This problem I'm dealing with just keeps going around in circles. There's no answer. In fact, it starts getting worse because I think of even worse things that could happen or that, that worse things as to what this is going to become or what it's going to do. It just goes around in circles. But if we can break ourselves from that just for a moment, do something. Change what you're doing physically. Just change your mind. Think about something else. 
go do something else. Listen to encouraging music. <laughs> Watch a happy, that's why I love comedies on TV, or I'm, I'm about to be real again. I love cartoons. <laughs> it's like I want something mindless and not something that's going to tear me down or make me wonder about who's out there roaming in the streets. And a family member just lost the key to my door. I don't know what's going to happen, you know? I don't need to be sitting and dwelling on that stuff. So, yeah. So we change what we're thinking about. And then if we go to God, either through the prophetic words of someone else or what we hear him saying, that helps to realign that perspective that we have. What's really important right now that we're dealing with? Where should we um, be using our energies at? Even when we're fearful or really worried about something, health, family, job, relationships, did you know that that worry, that fear, should lead us to worship? Worry and fear at its core is an acknowledgement. I'm acknowledging that I'm not in control. That's why I'm afraid. This may not work out the way I want it to. Thus, I'm worried. Thus, I'm afraid. That is the divine exchange. Bring that before God. And, and I believe it's like a literal exchange. You know, you, you hold your hand out to him. You worship him. You, you experience his presence. As I said during the announcements or in prayer, that in his presence, in his face, is the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. And, and while you're there and you feel that presence, give him this worship. I know I'm not in control. I know I need to trust you. I believe in you, and however this works out, I know it's going to be okay. And we hand this stuff over to him. We give it to him. Yeah, I'm acknowledging I'm not in, I don't, I don't have this. <laughs> and it leads to less worry. It leads to less fear. It actually can even bring us joy in the middle of whatever suffering that we're going through. So, I mentioned earlier that uh, um, I also wanted to talk about how we can help people that are going through suffering, um, because uh, sometimes we see people in the midst of their tragedy. And uh, um, I remember years ago, a family member, her husband, was, um, was killed in a motorcycle accident. Um, they had just gotten into an argument. She was very young. I mean, like 17, 18 years old, very young, and so was he. And they had just gotten in an argument. He got mad, got on his bike, and took off and ran into a tree. You know, and he died. And I don't remember the circumstances surrounding it um, of the, the moment that I'm about to mention. But I'm standing there in her family's kitchen and talking to her, and all of a sudden, this woman exploded. 
you know, just chewed me out up and down, left and right, just chewed me out. And that, I mean, it really hurt because the last thing I wanted to do was bring pain to her. You know, I wanted to help, but I mean, I was very, very young too. So what that caused for me was I didn't want to be around people that were mourning. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest with you. I didn't because it was hard. I didn't know what to say. I didn't want another explosion to happen. It's so funny. As I mentioned earlier, you tell somebody your past and they can tell you where you're going. Now there's nothing better that I like. I run toward tragedy, you know, for, that people are going through because I know what God can do for them. But that incident, I still remember. So I watch my words. So when someone is going through a very difficult time, and like I said, it can go anywhere from a burnt meal to losing family members to our own physical health that we're dealing with, um, there's things that we can say, there's things we shouldn't say. So we're, I'm going to cover a few um, don't do's and a few do do's, okay? And we always, we mean well when we're saying these things or do these things. We mean well, but it doesn't come out right or it's not received by the person very well. So, one, call me if you need anything. We mean well when we say that. But a pers think of a person that's going through mourning. They've experienced loss. We need to continue checking in with them finding out how they're doing, follow up, a phone call, a text, a, a drop-in visit, see how they're doing, because more than likely, they're not going to call you. How many of you have had people say that to you? Call me if you need anything, and did you ever call them? No, <laughs> no, we don't. So actually do something for them, follow up. We need to also be careful in saying, I know how you feel. No, you don't. I know how you feel. No, you don't. It can, if we know the person really well and we've been through something very similar, you know, uh, but every person's relationship with somebody else is different. The closeness, the ties is different. How they feel about that person and then how they emotionally react to a loss is different. So, although we mean well when we say that, um, it, can, it can sound like this is about you, and it's not. It's all about them. So, there's nothing wrong with admitting, I have no idea what you're going through. I know this really, really hurts, but I am here for you. Even if I just sit here with you, not for seven days, but even if I just sit here with you, just so that you know somebody's there. Another thing that we can say that um, it sounds good because it's scripture, but when a person's going through it, ugh, is all things work out for good for those who love God. Yeah, that's the word of God. But... Um, you know what this person wants more than anything? They want relief. They want the pain to go away. 
sometimes, um, and I've, I've had physical pain before where the only thing I can think about is how bad it hurts. I've been there. So all things work out for the good of those who love God. <laughs> Cheer up. It just may not be the time. You know, just may not be the time. That's right. Yeah. Never minister to someone of the opposite sex alone. Never. Don't. Don't you guys do it either. Don't. Because during times of tragedy, emotions are charged to an all-time high. It's just not a good idea. Take your wife, take your husband, take somebody else to be with them. Um, it's just, like I said, it's just a really, really good idea. That way you don't get caught in uh, a compromising situation. There was a, um, I, I recently heard a story of a, um, a woman that was saying that she wanted to die. I just want to die. Why? Her husband had passed six months before, and one of the elders from the church came over to visit with her alone, and the next thing you know, he's sitting there with his arm on her shoulder, you know, and then he's hugging her. Next thing you know, he's kissing her. And, and they had sex. And afterwards, this woman, it's like she froze. Some people, when they're faced with, with extreme trauma, they freeze. You have the, 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 the flight or fight, but you also have freeze, you know? And this woman froze, didn't know what to do. She had a very high respect for authority. So... It's just, you know, I, I can't be in that guy's heart. I don't know, but I doubt that he went over there for that purpose. And now the situation is much, much worse. So, yeah. So we want joy in the midst of suffering. We don't want to add to it. So as I mentioned earlier, check up on people regularly. Check up on them. You know, the, the first few, after two weeks... For all of us, we generally go back to normal. Things aren't going to be normal for this person for maybe years, you know? It's going to take a long time for these wounds to heal, especially when we're talking about the loss of a loved one. Check up on them. Go visit them and allow them to talk. Allow them to talk. When I went through my divorce, I told everybody. And it's like, and I... I, I processed it by talking to them about, you know, everything that I went through, how bad my life was, you know. And after a while, you find out you don't have as many friends. <laughs> and it's, it's, the same, it's the same way, you know, if you have a loss of a loved one. But people need to talk. They need to process what's, what they've gone through. And for some people, that's how they process it. I just want to talk about it. And I don't care if you've heard the same story a hundred times. Do you really love them to really walk through this with them? Do you love them enough? You know? Just, just follow up. Check up on them. Allow them to talk. Even if it, you don't have to even correct them when they're expressing wrong views. You know? Just be there for them and listen. I don't care how long it takes. I'm here for you. Okay? God is so good. God is so good. He leads us 
into refreshment. In his presence, we find joy that is almost unutterable. I can't explain why I feel so good in this particular moment. It's God, but I, I, I can't even explain it. He is good. And as long as we're on this earth, there will be times of suffering that we deal with. I know as churchy things go, people don't like to talk about suffering. But it's a fact of life. And we don't want to expect that because we don't talk about it in church that that means you're bad for feeling this way. No, it's not true. It's just that we're not talking about it and we should. <laughs> so yeah, so if there's anything that, that you're in need of in regards to um, processing through some issue or I don't care what level of suffering it is, don't necessarily need to hear about burnt dinner last night, but whatever. <clears throat> we have, we're going to have a prayer team up here. And if you need to express and just feel, because remember, God is feeling it with you. He is right there in the middle of it. And more than anything, he wants to see you healed. And he knows the process it's going to take to get you there. He loves us to, at such a level that it's, it's hard for me to even explain just how great that love is for us. And he's going to walk, through, walk with us through this no matter what. No matter what. Okay? So if you would, I hope that didn't bum you out too bad. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. We have a beautiful weekend. Man, it is nice outside, and uh, um, hopefully most of you have off tomorrow to be able to enjoy this with family and friends. Um, so if you'd like, please stand, and we'll pray. And if, again, if you need prayer for anything, please come up, and we have a group of people that would be more than happy to stand in the gap for you, to help you process. Thank you, my God, for being a God of understanding. Thank you for learning with us, for grieving, groaning with us. You're the perfect king. You're the perfect savior. You went through hell and back <laughs> just so you could represent us and love us, adopt us, and even marry us all this for relationship, intimate and close relationship. You are so good. I pray in the upcoming days, Father, that you realign our thought processes to focus our attention, no matter what we're going through, to focus our attention on you. Thank you for loving us so well. Thank you for being the joy in our suffering. Thank you for cleansing us of the ashes and making us beautiful in your eyes again. We love you. We worship you. Everything, everything 
is about you. Thank you, my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.